welcome to another McLaren fans podcast. Uh, this week it's a it's a bit of a special edition. Uh, we we're concentrating on the Indy 500, which was run over the weekend. Joining us is Gino Moreo Morales. Say hi, Gino. Hi there. Hi, hi. Yeah, you might uh, remember Gino has been on since uh, on a previous episode where he's talked about his papercraft cars and uh, his his love of Fernando Alonso as well. <laughs> and I mean that in a very heartly way. <laughs> uh, joining us is a, a longtime friend of the podcast. Uh, I think you've actually been engaged with us right from the beginning is Kenny Grover from Ontario, Canada. Say hi, Kenny. Hello, everyone. Good to have you on. Good to have you on. We've been talking about this for months, haven't we, about having you on a podcast. So finally to have you here is is good. So, uh, yeah, um, let's just kind of uh, get straight into it then, eh? So um, what I would say is that probably, uh, you know, looking at our listenership, most of them are from the UK. Uh, there's a few dotted around Europe and sort of uh, USA, uh, North America and all that kind of stuff. Um, but we really haven't really had any IndyCar coverage in the UK until the last couple of years. And really this season has been the first year where we've actually had races kind of on the TV outside of the Indy 500. So um, one thing I definitely did notice on Twitter uh, as we were going through, is a lot of people who were sort of first time watchers of the Indy 500 and things like that. So uh, Kenny, I'm going to ask you to give us a bit of an idea of what is the Indy 500? Why is it so special? And can you explain to us what is a spotter? <laughs> well, it, it is it is the greatest spectacle in racing. It's held at a fantastic venue in Indianapolis, a uh, four corner oval, which has had an immense history. And uh, the people that win the race are absolute legends. After it's uh, incredible. Um, uh, unfortunately, I haven't had the chance to go, but I have been to in, uh, Indianapolis for the uh, Aero McLaren SP uh, car launch, and uh, that was a pretty special experience. I got to meet all of the team, Pato, Oliver, Askew uh, at the time, Jill DeFerrin. Uh, it was really cool. But the, uh, the Indianapolis 500 is just in America and even here in Canada, because we have a few uh, Canadian drivers that have had success there and close to having wins there. And uh, it's, it just, it just, it means so much in the racing world. It's, it's part of the triple crown. It's, uh, it's just huge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, one, one of the things that, um, we kind of had over in the UK is obviously we had quite a lot of build-up for this. We had a two-hour build-up show, which is kind of unheard of for for us in the UK for this. Um, but what it was is we, we actually had uh, the American or the, or the NBC coverage, which I don't know whether that's the same as what you guys got. Um, and when they cut to the ad breaks in the US, um, we, we went back to the MTC where we had uh, Lando and... Uh, Natalie Pinkham, who were doing sort of like a filler show in between. So um, they were, you know, there's quite a lot of sort of uh, coverage of it, but not a lot of, not a lot on the history. So um, 
Yeah, I think was it the hundred and fifth running of it, or yes, yeah. correct. So yeah. you know, this has been going a long time, so it's not just a, a not just a new thing, but probably new to to a lot of people in the UK now. Um, yeah, I mean, I've watched the the five hundred the last couple of years, but I actually really enjoyed this one probably the most out of the last three that I've watched. I'm pretty new to IndyCar, so I'm still learning things. Um, and, you know, every now and then you kind of pick up little tidbits of uh, this and that and everything else like that. Um, what was uh, what was the kind of coverage and build-up like in the Netherlands, uh, Gino? Mm-hmm. Well, of course, we've got a Dutch driver um, driving the Indy 500 as well, Rinus VK. On Kantout, we say in Dutch, but he's called VK uh, because it's pretty well Americans. It might be tough to pronounce Van Kantout, <laughs> but um, he, he has been getting quite a lot of attention, and with that also uh, there has been more attention for IndyCar. So the Formula One channels we have um, broadcast all IndyCar races as well, sometimes also qualifying, and uh, like in the Formula One talk shows, um, Rinus VK is often on there as well. And, of course, the Dutch have some history at Indianapolis. I mean, Ari Leijendijk, he won twice, 1990 and 1997. So uh, there is quite some Dutch history at Indianapolis. Um, well, Robert Dorn was drove as well, drove it as well. Um, and now with, like, a new young talent, uh, you also see kind of, like, um, and maybe a newfound attention for the sport that is IndyCar. So the Indy 500 has been getting quite a lot of attention Um on the Dutch uh, uh, television channels, yeah. Cool, cool. And I guess is that that the same for you, Kenny, over in uh, in Canada, same sort of thing, or, is, or do you get like the same sort of coverage that we had for the Indy for every race, or is it still a special um, off one-off occasion mm, thing? The Indy Five Hundred is kind of a one-off kind of a broadcast for them. Yeah, it's, it's like a it's like a two or three hour build up. Uh, everything for us is on NBC, so yeah, it was it was a mega build up, and they uh, they do such a fabulous job with the intros and everything. the The driver intros are amazing, I think, and uh, like it really just uh, it really connects the the fans, the crowd, the race, the driver, and it just brings everything all into one, and it just it prepares everyone for that that first lap, first corner, and then two hundred more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh yeah interesting you you kind of picked up on the driver intros um I, I seem to remember a few years ago when we first went to austin in texas they tried it for the f1 and it just came across a little bit cheesy but i wonder if that was just because we're not used to having that in f1 but certainly for me last night watching it it gave me a good idea of who these guys were when they came out who the field was it's quite a large field there's 33 cars so it's you know um, you know, a third bigger than an F1 traditional field, so it's like, yeah, there's a lot of people mm-hmm. to remember and stuff like that. Um, one yeah, of the and great... I, I also think, uh, mm. oh, sorry, Andy, I also think if you see just the magnitude of the event, like the amount of people um, that are there, um, the amount of weeks it has been going on already, all the traditions, then driver intros like that one just suit the event. It just suits the moment to like make it big. Yeah, yeah. One of the things you just mentioned there was um, that you know, all the fans that are there. And it was great to see fans back in the stand watching motor racing. And yes. for for us, we were like, wow, it's it's packed. 
And then they said on the commentary that it was 135,000 fans, but that was only 40% of the capacity. And I was thinking, <laughs> my God, what is it going to be like when it's full? <laughs> so, yeah, I think, uh, I think that would be quite a, like one of those things to, uh, to attend on a bucket list, really. Yeah, Kenny. I, uh, I spent probably like a few days before the Indy 500 just kind of watching older races and older highlights and from the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. And even though those cars were so loud, you could hear the roar of the crowd every single time they would pass. And every single time there was a chance for an overtake or someone was closing up on someone else, like you're talking over 300,000 people at a venue, all focused on one thing. And uh, that's hard to come by in, in any sporting uh, event. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even last night, you could tell. Uh, it was, there was one point, that were, I can't remember the driver's name. The, there was a local driver took the lead at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Daily. Connor Daly, yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the crowd went wild and you could hear it. <laughs> um, yeah. I guess that's what you want. It's, you know, it's part of the spectacle. I think certainly one of the things, maybe not so much with some of the normal IndyCar rounds, but certainly with this oval racing is that you can be out the front, but that's not the best place to be, it seems. And it, the, the lead changes so many times. Um, but yeah, I guess, you know, 500 is an endurance race, really. It's Somebody tweeted yesterday, and this will make no sense to a lot of our... So it's almost driving the length of the UK from London to Scotland without a break at 230 miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> when you think of it like that, you think, wow. <laughs> yeah, that's oh, crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a long yeah. race. A long race, definitely. Yeah. So uh, let, let's get on the race itself and have a bit of a chat about that. Um, I guess we can kind of start with even before the race started, where Will Power had a bit of, a, bit of an issue to kind of start off with. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think we, we, you know, we looked at it. It was really sort of, I think VK went out in front pretty quickly. Um, and I guess at that point, Gino, people in the Netherlands were thinking, could he win this? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, we did have an experienced commentator. I mean, we had a former driver as a commentator, Robert Dorenbos. So he knew there was still a very long way to go. But I mean, the commentators were just um, ecstatic. Is that the word? Yeah, uh, on television. Like, we've got a Dutch driver driving at the front at the Indy 500. How beautiful is this? Those were the comments. And also on Twitter, many positive comments. And, yeah, to be fair, it, it was just really good to see. But still, of course, long way to go at that point. Yeah, yeah. and so much can happen. Obviously, it did. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's, it, one of the things that I was kind of starting to look at was, is it really as simple as Honda versus Chevy? For this sort of thing, is that is it? You know, the the, the UK commentators were discussing that, and um, I guess Kenny, you're the probably the best person to answer that. Um, but is it really? If you're in Honda, you've got more chance of winning, or is it, you know, Chevy, you've got a better chance for fuel. It seemed to be getting discussed quite a lot uh, throughout the race. Or are you kind of on an equal foot, and then it's just down to strategy sometimes, and the look of the draw with like full course yellows and things. 
Yeah. Uh, last year, for sure, Honda had a advantage. Uh, maybe it was small, but uh, it was enough over a 500 mile race. But this year, Honda and Chevrolet seem to be much closer. Um, I have the top 10 here, and it, it's it's pretty even between them. Uh, six Chevrolet and four Honda. So it's very, very close. Um, the uh, the uh, fuel mileage in a race like this is so important in, in any oval race. And, and yeah, the drivers are set to, to reach a certain fuel number. And um, it's, uh, it's just, it's a really, really tight battle. It uh, reminds me a lot of the tire war in Formula One in the early days with uh, Bridgestone and, uh, and Fires, uh, no, 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 I'm, I'm sorry, and uh, Michelin. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. And it's just such a tight battle every single race. And trust me, it is very, very competitive between those two companies. It, it's, uh, it makes the uh, IndyCar series, um, it, it gives it another dimension. Cool. So, um, yeah, what did you kind of think of the start then, Kenny? What was your sort of feelings as the start happened? I mean, I think uh, the, the McLaren guys got a decent start. I know that um, was it, uh, Pato had, had qualified pretty high up, so he managed to hold on to that position from what I could see at the start. Um, I couldn't really see the ladder to see where the rest of the drivers were after the start, so you forgive me that didn't quite kind of catch how they sort of start and stuff like that. But I mean, what did you kind of see with the start? Uh, I was very anxious for the start. Uh, yeah, Pato was starting P12. Felix was starting P14. So I kind of had my eye in the middle of the pack kind of. And I, I think Pato lost a couple positions, but uh, uh, our car was so good though. Uh, we just found a groove and we just kept in it until our first pit stops because our, our pit stop crew is really, really good on the Aero McLaren SP team. So I knew after those first pit stops, they were going to gain us a few positions. And uh, that's exactly what they did actually. Pato, I, I think he filtered to like uh, P7 or P6 or something after the first round of pit stops. But I think the main story of the race during the first pit stops were, uh, was the caution by Stephen Wilson and forcing Dixon to take an emergency uh, fuel stop. That was the biggest thing. Yeah. Of the think, entire race. Yeah, I think Rossi had some, some issues as well, didn't he? But Exactly. Yeah, I think uh, from my notes here, I think that was around lap 34. Yeah, yeah and unfortunately, uh, uh, Wilson had some brake problems and just hit the wall entering the, the pit and yeah you know I think I saw a few people having a bit of a go at him on Twitter which is unfortunate but that's yeah, rude like you like you say you're stopping a car from coming off that fourth corner it's full chat of 230 miles an hour to try and get it down to I think there's the pit lane 60 and mm -hmm. if you've got any problems with your brakes or anything like that or they they don't work properly <laughs> you're in you're in real trouble um, you know, luckily, we were, you know, nobody was hurt or anything else like that, including drivers and everything. But yeah, certainly, um, it, it kind of changed the whole dynamic, didn't it, really? Um, well, I think we kind of, I think we paid after the, the yellow had finished, which gave us a bit
bit of an advantage and put us a bit further up. Um, what was your take on that sort sort uh, incident, Gino, and the sort of pit stops? Mm -hmm. Well, um, like all the way through practice and qualifying, Dixon had been absolutely dominant. Um, you would almost start to expect it at every race. I mean, Scott Dixon is always at the front. That's how it seems. So um, that one really um, well surprised me um, to have Dixon on the back foot that early because, well, it opened up a lot more chances for the others, to put it like that. Because, well, Dixon, Dixon is always, you never count out Scott Dixon. That's the main rule in IndyCar. Um, <laughs> Let's see, how. what was I going to say after that? Um, I was a bit afraid um, because Pato drove on a few laps more and he didn't pit during the, uh, like before the caution. So I was afraid or he had to do an emergency stop as well mm -hmm. or the fuel would get packed up and he would have to make a stop then and would, and would end up at the back. But somehow, um, I still haven't quite figured out how, but it worked out quite okay for us because we won places, actually. Yeah, I think we jumped up two places, didn't we, uh, after that? Mm -hmm sort of round of pit stops um yeah and yeah i think uh it, it was it was really quite interesting i mean i've never I, I can't remember watching an f1 race where somebody ran out of fuel for a long long time not since the refueling days yes, um, yeah. but yeah certainly it, it did seem to just throw a lot of panic into the field and across the sort of pit lane um but for us watching at home, a bit of drama, just what we want, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I can have imagine being a Dixon sitting there on the pit lane and just watching cars just blow by you at 230 miles per hour and you're just a sitting duck. Yeah. Your car doesn't start. Oh, yeah. It, it had yeah. a bit of a terrible feeling. He was down a lot. I mean, every loss. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, every lost second is like the cars uh, cars just pass like a football field in length, right? That's what you yeah. lose with every second you're sitting there. Yeah. So kind of that started to, I mean, that was early on. That was sort of a you know, a quarter of the way through the race sort of thing. It started to shape the race um, for us a little bit. I think we had um, Pado in seven, um, Felix in 11th and uh, Juan Pablo in, in 13th. So we were looking pretty strong at that point, in a good position at least. Um, and then I think kind of what it came down to there for me was really who's going to do the wet, the best with saving fuel and making it go a bit longer and get into that magic 150 mile, uh, 150 lap mark to then push on a bit further to the top. Um, I mean, for me, the out of the McLaren drivers, I, I think certainly Pato had the, the strongest race out of the, all, all of them, obviously with the, with the place he finally got, but all through the race he looked strong. Um, and I think there was certainly a, a couple of penalties for Rosenquist that kind of didn't help him in the, in the long run. Um, but yeah, I mean, we came out after the next sort of round of pit stops in P3, that was about lap 86, 87. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, that was a really good position to be in. And at that point, I'm thinking, yeah, we've got, we've got a chance here. This could be the first win at the Indy 500 for McLaren, um, uh, uh, sort of Arrow SP, but also for McLaren 
racing for for a long, long time since the seventies. I think was the last mm-hmm. one. I think it was just Johnny Rutherford that, that won in the seventies. So um, definitely, yeah. So you know, there's a little bit of excitement on that side because you know we all know how how hard we work to get there. And some of the disappointments we've had of the past, especially with, uh, sorry to say this, Gino, but with Fernando, not quite making the <laughs> it, it qualifying. Still hurts. Uh, it still hurts. It still hurts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but certainly, um, we, we look like an IndyCar team now. We look like we should be there. We've had a win this mm-hmm. season. We've challenged a few times. We've had a bit of bad luck. We've, you know, this is how, they, this is how racing goes. I think we're just going to get stronger and stronger. Um, it certainly feels to me like uh, like Zach is committed to it, uh, mm-hmm. and also I think we've also got a very exciting young driver in Pato on board. I'm not sure. Uh, quite, absolutely. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how uh, how the setup is with Felix, and I know obviously Juan Pablo was there for the for a one-off drive, but certainly, um, yeah, you know, we need to keep hold of somebody like Pato in the sport. Um, uh, yeah, Gino, go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I kind of share the sentiments you share because um, if you see the jump we've made from last year to this year, we are just a lot more competitive in most races. We've got that first win in finally, and if you look, uh, maybe I'm jumping a- ahead a bit, but in the championship standings, um, Pato is in third, and it's a really good position, just one point behind Scott Dixon, and I mean. You could, if this pattern continues, we will be properly challenging for the championship, which is just an incredible thing in just a short amount of time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, we've got a we've got a good chance to see how it goes out this season, and you know, kind of um, hopefully he can give Dixon a run for his money. Um, But yeah, we all know Scott Dixon is quite a strong competitor throughout the season. Quite. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Back to the. (laughs) Back to the racing. Um, I think uh, um, around lap 104, um, we had Pato leading. And at that point, let's be honest, I'm starting to think, this is interesting. Are we going to win? And I'm you know, quite hopeful. He looked pretty strong. Um, and uh, the commentators were talking about how maybe there was only another three stops. And if you could get those three stops and maybe that you know could help um kenny what was kind of your sort of thoughts around that time and sort of where were you sort of thinking that the race may go from there uh i knew when we were at p3 i knew that we were in it i knew that we had a chance uh i was not concerned about our pit stop crew again um i just knew that we would have a chance but uh, as the laps kind of dwindled down, I kind of, I kind of could see that our car just didn't have that extra one or two percent, and that's kind of what he needed. And he just, he got within seven, six tenths, half a second, and then he would just kind of fade back again. And I'm just like, oh, is it his tires? Is he in the turbulent air? And you've seen over and over again, Colo and Helio went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. They were able to to race each other and get close, but Paddle just could not seem to get there. And I, I, I was just like, come on, like he just needs one more move, just one more move. And he, um, I, I just kept an eye on that specifically to see how 
racy he was and how his car could handle and he I just think he did actually a, a fantastic job because that's not easy to do to sit there and be patient and kind of wait for a mistake to happen ahead of you and it just it never came but like he just uh he really showed his uh maturity I think in that race yeah yeah for a young driver definitely yeah I I, I certainly felt the, the you know the same way I thought he was just holding off, waiting for the opportunity. And unfortunately, like you say, it just never came. You could yeah. tell, um, you know, there was the, the battle out in P1 and P2 were always going to be sort of there. What sort of surprised me, we had a, obviously a, and then another full course yellow when uh, Rahal came out of the pits um, with only three wheels on his car. Essentially, um, unless you see that that wheel that hit uh, Connor Daly, I think it was. Um, my my feeling there was we were lucky that went into the infield and not the other way into the crowd, because that went high and you know that could have caused a lot of damage. But yeah, um, obviously it wouldn't be a McLaren fans podcast if we didn't mention pit stops. Uh, um, but one of the things that kind of uh, sort of got, I think it was 6.9 seconds for a pit stop. And mm-hmm. I sat there thinking, and this is just because I'm used to F1, I thought, my God, that's really slow. But uh, in, I'd like to just point out that in F1, you have three guys on each wheel. Yeah. And then uh, in IndyCar, I think we have one guy on each wheel, don't we? He puts the wheel on and off. So yeah, yes, and 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 and, and refueling too, and refueling, mm-hmm. and that weird yeah. squirty thing that they do when the car leaves, which I'm never quite sure mm. what it is or why they do that. Uh, but yeah, um, I I sat there and I was thinking, wow, that's that just feels really slow. But then again, I remember when we used to refuel in F1 and they were about that as well. So yeah, um, <laughs> but yeah, um, I think after that. Uh, the rear hall incident, once that got cleared up, I think it was basically just a race to the end then, wasn't it? There was yep. certainly um, uh, uh, Helio Castroneves um, and uh, God, I can't remember what the, the guy in second was called now. Um, Alex Palau. Yeah. right, yeah. Uh, and then Pado. You kind of felt it was between those three. Um, and like you say, there was a bit of changing across the front and back. And then um, yeah, we had uh, uh, a few people sort of join the, the party in the last sort of 10, 15 laps in P4 and P5. Um, but I was kind of just really hopeful that we were just going to get to the end. And could we get it? Could we actually win? Could we hold on to that sort of uh, third position? And yeah, when... When we lost still on the last lap, I was I was quite good because that's got to hurt. Even even though, you know, if you said before and let's we're going to have a P four, I would have gone. That's a brilliant result. But to lose mm-hmm. it on the last lap on the last couple of corners, um, yeah, it was it was kind of quite going. So, um, but yeah, I thought it was a great battle in the last sort of ten laps. Gino, what was your kind of thoughts on the the end sort of end? 
Oh, yeah, for me, for me personally, it was not quite that cutting to lose third place because it did mean that Pado tried to do something in the final laps, and I mean, in at Indy, only first place uh, counts as a win. So third or fourth um, didn't make that much of a dif difference. We were like uh, at the front all day long, fighting all day long, and uh, regardless if it's third or fourth, I think Pato did a great job at that. But um, I also kept my eyes at Felix and on the final few laps. Because at that point, he was still leading. And I think it only required one caution for him to stay in the lead. Yeah. And I don't think many people clocked onto that. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we kind of had two, two chances uh, to win it in the end. Yeah. So like a split strategy sort of, uh, sort of approach. Yeah. I think if anything had happened, I think um, you're right. I think Felix could have been up there. Um, but also, you know, we got Juan Pablo finishing in ninth, which wasn't too bad either. Um, yeah, what about you, Kenny? What was your sort of thoughts on the end of the race? Yeah, I, I just feel as if the team did a really good job at covering their bases because they had they had Pato on the lead strategy. They had Felix on an alternate strategy. Uh, if they would have had a caution, they would have won the race. Uh, without a caution, they had a chance to win the race. So I, I just think that the team just did a really good job that they – they ran a perfect race. They just needed a little bit of luck. And it just, uh, like I said before, that extra one or two percent just wasn't there. So, yeah. 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 And, and that's something they can work on this year until next year's race as well, isn't it? You know, there'll be a lot of learning come out of this in a good way. You know, you, you learn you learn a lot when you, you're at the front of these races, I guess. And, um, yeah, you know, even for, even for Pat Ode, driving as well he'll learn a lot from this as well you know i think certainly the experience of um uh, helio castroneves kind of played out in the end he knew exactly when to make that move and make it stick um, yeah. mm -hmm. uh, you know definitely uh, and also for somebody who's time four, winner. 45 years old it gives me hope that you know i might still have a chance of being a water racing driver <laughs> <laughs> Well, I, I wouldn't be genial if I didn't try to churn in like an Alonso mention. So it does make me a bit hopeful as well yeah. that it might still happen at some point. <laughs> do you think it, that, it was um, really good to see? Do you think Renault would allow him? That's no, not Renault, Alpine, sorry, uh, would allow him to go? I don't think so, but I'm hopeful that he will go back after the, after, uh, the Alpine stint because yeah. I saw on Instagram he watched the race and he called it spectacular. And I mean, he has the racing blood inside of him. Um, I I'm quite convinced he will be back someday. Hopefully in a McLaren. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he's he's got a, every chance to do that triple crown, crown hasn't he? And uh, yeah, he might be maybe our third driver next year. Who knows? Or something like that. Let's see. Um, will be nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah. So I asked you guys um, sort of be, before the race who your money was on and everything like that. And uh, no doubt we all went for, for some McLaren drivers and stuff like that. I got the impression that it's uh, the Indies are really tough race to call. Um, you never know who's going to win it. it. Form doesn't seem to come into it. Luck seems to play a, a big part, being in the right place at the right time and having the right strategy. Um, in the right car. One of the things that uh, sort of, after the race, and you've got the, you know, they come down, they kiss the yard of bricks. We've got some other sort of traditions and things like that. One of the things that kind of 
threw me completely was at one point I could hear them playing Scotland the Brave on bagpipes. And I'm like, what the <laughs> heck is going on here? <laughs> what is this all about? Um, and apparently, uh, uh, um, according to Laura Leslie, she found a, a good link on why that happens. Apparently, they, they used to be uh, a guy who introduced the Gordon Pipers, and it became an indie tradition to have them there to play this mm-hmm. um, uh, at every race. And it's been going on for, I think it was about 60 years now. So <laughs> there you go. But it, yeah, I think there's probably a few people in Scotland who are sitting watching this going, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> that's cool yeah um and like obviously uh we've got a few sort of uh things that you know we always think f1 is the best out there i think certainly for me i'm like oh, f1 and that but i think there's a lot of things that f1 can learn from indie racing and indie 500 i think there was two things that stood out for me that i think we could actually learn and do something about it. One is that the show itself, I think you mentioned this earlier on, Kenny, about having the introduction of the drivers. I quite like that. But putting the car on the podium with the driver in it, mm. I think that's great. Because it's not just the driver, it's the car as well. I'd like to see them adopt that in F1. Um, go on, Kenny. Yeah, uh, that's a huge kudos to Roger Penske. When he bought IndyCar, he really wanted to to uh, to make the the uh, kind of the appearance grander in a way, and that was one of his big ideas to have the car and the driver as the focal point on the top of the podium. Uh, yeah, I I think it's absolutely amazing that they did that. Yeah, they absolutely have to bring. Yeah, they absolutely have to bring F1 to Indianapolis. I think it it would be amazing to see an F1 car going up on that pedestal. Yeah, um, yeah, we don't have a really good track record around there, unfortunately. But yeah, maybe we could go back and. <laughs> That's uh, okay though. You know, do it, do it, do it properly and give F1 a bit of justice. But yeah, maybe let them let the American guys sort of the. You know, take over what the show should be like for a bit. That would be quite cool. Right, mm. guys, we've got about a couple of minutes left, so uh, I'm just going to wrap up now. Um, yeah, just uh, a quick question. Um, how do you think the sort of the ne- the next sort of the rest of the season is going to go from for Arrow McLaren to any of you guys? Both of you, uh, <laughs> go for it. Can you go first? Oh, okay. Okay. I'm going to, well, I think we've really shown to be competitive on many different uh, kinds of uh, tracks. I mean, we've, we've had a bit of um, a difficult race at the Indy GP and at uh, St. Pete this year, but I mean, we've been competitive all uh, on many different kinds of tracks and really shown to be there ready to make that next step. And I do believe that the hashtag we are ready that the uh, IndyCar team uses um, is justified. So if we keep uh, this pace up, I think we are we are in for quite a few good races. Excellent, excellent. And quickly from you, Kenny, how's your feeling? Yeah, I I, uh, I think the same thing as Gino. We had a couple of struggles, but other than that, we've been very, very strong, especially uh, on the ovals. But there's only one oval race left, I think, in Gateway, which we were very good at last year. 
but we need to really make sure that we're quick at street circuits, road courses, uh, in order to to fight against Dixon and Ganassi and Penske and Andretti and Herda because it's going to be a tough season. It's it's going to go to the final race, yeah. without a doubt. Great stuff. Right. Uh, unfortunately, that's all we've got time for this week. Uh, thanks, Gino. Thanks, Kenny, for joining us. Uh, yep. Gino, Can one I... last thing. Go for it. Well, one quick question for you two, actually. Can we claim Castro Neves as a bit of a former McLaren driver because he substituted for Oliver last year? What do you guys think? Can we claim Absolutely. him a little bit? Uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's just claim that. Why not? That's the spirit. That's the spirit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and there we go. Let's let's finish on that. That the former McLaren driver won in D500. Thanks, guys. Yes. It's been an absolute pleasure, and uh, hopefully, have you both on the podcast soon. And uh, certainly, we'll have another in the and another in the